Hey there, folks. Welcome back once again. What do you know? It's episode 124 of the Uticast, and this week we welcome back returning GFOP Ryan Miller, the director of the Thinkubator, who's joining us to talk about the Detour app and where he's been for a year and a half. It's been a long time. Also this week we're going to be talking about Daylight Savings Time. Uh, I said it wrong. See? See? Uh, Kevin Spacey. We're talking about some history lessons. We're going to talk about uh, Pope Francis. Uh, we're talking about the Tech Corner. Little overrated, underrated, all that and more, folks. We are so happy to have you back. This is the Uticast. Oh, yeah. afternoon here at Uticast HQ. Hello folks, welcome back. Episode 124. My name is Sam Famolaro. Joining me as always to my right, Kevin Sullivan. How's it going, big guy? Here we are. To my left, Heather Wazlewski. I do it right? Wrong? Yes, you got it right. Good. All right, good. Every time I feel like a jerk. It's okay. Uh, welcome. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. That's not my real last name. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that when I go to your, when I go to your Instagram, I'm always like, "Who's this Janicki person who's following me on here? Who is this character?" Uh, welcome back, folks. Uh, joining us this week uh, for the first time since episode number seven, I want to say. I can't believe it's been as long as it's been. Our good friend Ryan Miller of the Thank You Bader. That's your pal. He told me you guys were texting during the middle of the interview. Yes. Were you giving him, like, advice no, for stuff? No, your okay. address. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Yeah, he couldn't find it. He texted me. He's like, I'm on Amazon. I can't figure out where I am. I'm like, uh, uh. Uh, Yeah, so we had a nice conversation about the Detour app, which, if you folks don't know about it, really cool um, program that he's getting involved in. Um, he's hoping that they're going to be involved more going forward. Um, I'll leave it at that. We'll talk about that during the interview. Heather, how was your weekend? It was good. Just kind of hung out this weekend. Stayed I was going to say. Didn't go anywhere. Is it because of the weather? Did it bring everything? Yeah. Just, my son was sick, too. So we just What's he got? It was a stuffy nose kind of thing. So that means you're sick, too. No, it just means I'm tired. That's, that's <laughs> no, we just kind of chilled out this weekend. Just kind of kept it local. Very good. Very good. I assumed you watched all of Stranger Things. Yes, we did. Did you really? I yeah. was just kidding. Yeah, no, it's gone. Oh, We're done. Good, good. <laughs> Kevin, how about you? How was your week, weekend? Uh, it was good. I had on Friday night. I took a good friend of the podcast, Cliff Montoni. Uh, we went to his very first Comets game yes. ever. Oh. I heard about having been living here for a little bit. Yeah, um, we made it there a little bit late. We took the shuttle from Caltecarp because you know we worked at the breweries. So we were able to park there and then take their bus over. Um, we never made it to the ice. Mm. And mm -hmm. me and Cliff and our two friends who accompanied us are responsible for at least one to one and a half bottles of Patron disappearing from the Horton room. We drank a lot of tequila. It's the bad influence bartenders. Uh, we had a great time, though. It was really fun. I saw a ton of people. <laughs> the art looks great. It was the first oh, time I'd been in there since it. they did everything. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It nice. was definitely... Uh, it was. It definitely felt different. That was my question when I was going in. Like, as somebody who's been going to the art my whole life, is it going to feel different here? 
And of course, you know, it's still the same, especially when you look out towards like the ice portion, but it does feel like they've made changes. So that was really cool. Uh, rest of the weekend was good. Hmm. I've, I've got no complaints. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hmm. All right, guys, let's get into some of the stories this week. If you can tell we're feeling a little down and out, uh, there might be some scientific reason for that. You may have noticed when your eyes... Because I took a nap. That I took could... a nap about an hour ago. Oh, so nice. Smart. Nice. I'm smart. still mm. coming back up. I'm jealous. Uh... No, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that Daylight Saving Time happened uh, this weekend. I feel like it was late this year. I know. It, the same thing happens every time, where I don't know what's happening until my phone changes, and I go, oh, what do you know? That seems weird. And I, I, you know what's funny? I didn't know it when we went to bed that night. We were watching TV or something, and I was like, man, it's really late. I can't believe how late it is. And then I woke up in the morning, I'm like, something doesn't feel right. Something just in, in general. I did feel very well rested. Feel really morning. well rested. What's going on here? Considering I went to bed too late. That's one of the reasons you can tell you're getting older. Because I always used to know when it was daylight savings time when you're you know when you're a little bit younger mm-hmm. in the earlier part of your twenties because that's the night when you can go to the bar and you get an extra hour. Yes. The bar is supposed to close at two, then it rolls back to one. You get an extra hour. Electric company used to have some great daylight savings parties. <laughs> uh, so because last week it was so popular that I gave you guys those Halloween facts. I got some daylight savings Who's facts. Who's that popular with? With myself. I I thought, okay. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, wait a minute. Uh, so, uh, daylight savings time in the U.S. started as an energy energy conservation trick during World War One, and became the standard in the 60s. The idea is... Is that it? Yeah. yeah. If, you, <laughs> if you shift the number of daylight hours we get into the evening, okay? So, if the sun <coughs> sets at 8 p.m. instead of 7 p.m., we presumably spend less time with our lights on at home at night, and it saves on electricity. Mm. Uh, it also means you're less likely to sleep through daylight hours in the morning, uh, hence saving daylight hours for the most produ- uh, productive time of the day. By the way, it is daylight saving time. It's not daylight savings. I always say savings. I know, when so I do I. I was a kid, they used to say, they would always say savings, and I always, like, you know, I'm talking young, young kid. I was assumed it was somehow related to the bank. Because there's, like, savings <laughs> yeah, bank. I'm yeah. like, daylight savings time. And I'm like, that that doesn't make any sense. And I thought it was just, like, something they would say to market, like, their time and temperature number. Mm. I wouldn't. I never thought that. <laughs> uh, so, despite the fact that um, daylight savings time is introduced to save fuel, there's actually no real strong evidence uh, that it actually reduces anything. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people consider it a wash because even though you reduce lighting... Uh, does tend to increase people's use of AC, heating, and gas consumption goes up. So it's all kind of a scam. Well, it's just one of those things, like, nowadays, like, we're using so much electricity for everything all the time that I don't think the hour Mm. makes makes any difference. It's true. Uh, There are some places that have tried to abolish it, and it's never really gone well. Like, Massachusetts actually earlier this year tried to abolish it and moved their entire... Massachusetts is also talking about jumping a time zone. Atlantic time. Yeah, they wanted to move the Atlantic time zone, uh, and that got voted down. Um, However, uh, even in, it says here was a, in Nevada, I think they said they don't even really, they don't even really mess with it anymore. They just, they just kind of skip past I, yeah, but it. I, I don't... I don't oh, Arizona. Much of Arizona. I don't understand how that would work. Like, because if you're there, and if you've got... Everybody gets their time generally from their cell phone these days. Yeah. You know, yeah, so ver, yeah. Like Verizon Standard Time, right? Yeah. Or whoever you have. So even if you <laughs> go in there and they're like, well, we're not honoring this, and it's like, well, my phone says this time. That <laughs> seems like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> the dumbest. This is all... This is dumb. Okay. Uh, so this is sort of what I was laughing about, uh, and this was an odd question, but then I thought about it. Kind of made sense. Is daylight savings time dangerous? 
No. No, not really. No. However... I, I have a feeling, I don't know what you're going to say about anything else here, but I have a feeling being stupid is going to end up being dangerous. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, a lot of it actually has to do with the fact that, uh, in general, for a couple days after the time change, uh, most people are functioning with their biological clocks off, like sleep deprivation or jet lag, things like that. Uh, it's sort of like living your life for a couple days with an hour of jet lag. And as a matter of fact, uh, the National Highway uh, Transportation Safety Administration found... Uh, that a very small but significant increase in road deaths happens on the Mondays after clock shifts, and that's been common for like the last twenty years. Mm. Mm. So more car accidents. Uh, so there you go. So There's more some more negative than positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more daylight savings time. <laughs> Facts. Uh, so there you go. We are not really going to touch politics this week. Um, I know you're happy. We've been on a pretty decent streak. This is all right. <laughs> mm. However, there is some politics. I do think it's important that we do talk about. Uh, there is a lot of voting going on in the country today by the time you folks hear it. Tons. Go vote. Yeah. Vote for anything. Mm. Uh, so if you are living in New York, there are three questions that are actually on the ballot on Tuesday. Uh, one you've probably heard of and two you may not be as familiar with. I'll start with Propositions 2 and 3. Proposition 2, which you can vote on, uh, would create a process under which a uh, an elected or policymaking state or local government official convicted of corruption charges would lose his or her pension. So if you think that someone who's a corrupt... Uh, convicted corruption charges uh, should lose their pension. Should go vote on this one. All right. Proposition three. Uh, this is all about... has to do with building bike paths uh, within the width of highways. Okay. I like bike paths. I don't know as much about that. I'll have to do some research on this. But the other one... Have you guys seen a lot of these stickers for the... Uh, the... Uh, Constitutional Convention? About voting for the Constitutional Convention? Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of these everywhere. Uh, and this is actually kind of... Something that I don't know... I know what side I'm supposed to vote on, according to my job, but there's a lot of interesting, like, sides on both of this with this Constitutional Convention. Do you know anything about this at all? Uh, I don't know much about a it. A bit. Yeah. Uh, I, wish I, I wish that I had known we were doing this, because this is... It's actually... It is a really important thing that people should go look into, but I'm not really prepared to give okay. a take. That's fine. I'll just give you a quick rundown then for... Folks, look this up online if you're interested. Um... Uh, proposal 1 asks voters whether uh, to hold a constitutional convention that would change how state government operates, spends, and borrows. It has been the focus of a $2 million advertising and promotion campaign. Those who support a convention say uh, dramatic action is required to reform schools and the influence of big money donors in campaigns. Uh, opponents say the potential benefit is outweighed by the danger that special interest groups could alter the Constitution on hot-button issues such as abortion, gun control, environmental protection, and the guarantee of state pensions to unionize public workers and teachers. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a this is kind of a big deal. Yeah, so very big absolutely. deal. Yeah. So if you don't know anything about this and you're a registered voter, go look up some information about this. Choose a side that you feel you support and go vote. That's where I guess. If you're not a registered voter, be a registered voter. Mm. No reason not to be a registered mm. voter. Do you know there are some states where you can vote and register in the same day? Not in uh, New York. There are some places where you can really? register. Yeah. I have to look up the states. I was reading about it today. It certainly doesn't happen in New York. You have to be registered like six months before the primary. Yeah. yeah so. All right. Move on from that. Uh, and this one's kind of a unsavory subject. Um, we didn't talk about it last week. We didn't talk about Kevin Spacey because... And we was on the docket last week. And I felt like we didn't talk about it because it was kind of fresh and we didn't... It was. I felt like there was going to be more information. There definitely has been. Yeah, and there definitely has been. Um, so I'll give you just a quick recap. Um, October 29th, allegations were made by an actor, Anthony Rapp, 
saying that Kevin Spacey made uh, sexual advances toward him when he was uh, 14. At least eight men have come forward since these allegations have come out. Uh, two-time Oscar winner was dropped by his agent and publicist, and Netflix has uh, effectively fired him from the final season of House of Cards. Um, so, a couple things about this, and I, I've read a lot of the, the allegations. They're all <coughs> crummy, you know? We talked about the Weinstein thing a few weeks ago, and there was some debate about whether and how much traction like, the Weinstein story would continue to get. And I think, you know, Harvey's story seems to not be getting as much traction, but really, I feel like every day there's new allegations yeah. coming out, and I can't help but tie it back to this this Weinstein thing, at least some way. Absolutely. I think it gave more people the courage to come forward about things. I think that big people stepped out that you didn't think anything like that would happen to. Mm-hmm. And now... People are coming forward. They feel comfortable and scared. So there's a lot going on with this story. And part of it that got a lot of press was that Spacey sort of deflected these comments and also came out as a gay man at the same time. And I, the general consensus seems to be that uh, he was attempting to distract from the seriousness of the charges or try and move it away from that. But it did not work. Like, he's been sort of widely rejected and criticized. Oh, he's done. Yeah, he's done. He's cooked. He's done. Um, I will say this. Uh, and again, not justifying anything he did. It's all horrible. This one was tough because up until this moment, I was like a huge Kevin Spacey Absolutely. fan. It's tough, right? Like, yeah, I, it's, I didn't it's, want to believe it when I heard it. It's gross to say it now. Yeah, but it's like, the, no, it's the same. I'm not hedging shit. I don't. I don't necessarily find it gross to say it either. I won't hide behind it. Like, I loved Kevin Spacey. I thought he was a great actor. Yeah, I love him in everything he's in. I've liked Kevin Spacey for a really long time. Yeah, and this doesn't make me. I mean, it certainly makes me look at it differently. And I, you won't see me being, you know, supportive of any projects he might be in going forward. And you won't be able to get it out of your head, but this one was really a shame, you know. Yeah. And it's tough, and it's the bad thing about it is like you know it's not it's not a surprise. I don't think if if anybody's no. surprised by any of these things about any of these people, um, I I envy the naive bubble that you're able yeah. to live in. But I mean, this isn't a surprise. This has been a thing that you know they talk about in that documentary, an open secret. They talk about you know the whole Hollywood thing, which is available for free on YouTube. People don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were making jokes about Kevin Spacey behaving like this like 10 years ago on yeah. Family Guy. Like, yep. this is a thing people talk about, and it's good that it's coming out to light because it shouldn't be this way, but it's going to keep coming. And yes. it's going to keep coming for people and keep coming for people. And this is still, I think, just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you were talking about all the traction and the new stuff in Weinstein in the last couple of weeks. Like, he very well may go to jail yeah. now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, this is, it's going to keep coming. And it's a good thing because this stuff has to be brought to light. And, you know, Hollywood and. Big business circles and politics have been dealing with this type of stuff forever, and everybody's known that it goes on, but nobody does anything. You know, what can you really do? It's time to bring it to the light and, you know, take a look at it. And not to think about this, and I don't mean to be, like, crass about it, like, Harvey Weinstein was a was a figure that people knew in Hollywood because he was, like, a producer. Kevin Spacey was a an actor, and there's something mm-hmm. different about those two things. Harvey, For sure. Harvey Weinstein was in a position of, Power. like... Well, so is Kevin Spacey. Nobody has a favorite producer. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, no one talks about their favorite producers. Oh, I love Shakespeare in Love because of the production on it. You mean like, (laughs) okay. I could tell by the tone in your voice when you said that it made me think the good friend of the podcast, Adam Goldstein, would probably pretend to have a favorite producer. Goldstein would definitely have a favorite producer. Pretend to have a favorite producer. (laughs) Uh, So the consequences uh, that Spacey is facing are both... uh, Wide-ranging and a lot of them were immediate. Uh, Netflix suspended production on House of Cards. uh, And... So on November 3rd, it was reported that they had already been considering killing off his character in the last season, which if you know anything about the books or the previous show, that's kind of in line with the way it was going. 
but now he's no longer going to be involved with any production going forward, which makes you wonder what happens to that show, which I love, by the way. Maybe I mean, nothing. That's a really tough problem for Netflix to have because Netflix Netflix lives and dies on the strength of the, their own shows yeah. and their back catalog mm-hmm. and the completeness of these shows that they put out. They additionally scrapped a release of Gore, a planned 2018 Netflix movie with Spacey in the lead playing Gore Vidal, which I have to admit I was also excited for, so shitty. Uh, he was, this one's kind of poor timing, he was set to receive an award from the International Emmy Awards Committee. Uh, the International Emmy Founders Award, which is given to individuals who cross cultural burials, barriers to touch humanity, quote-unquote. That's mm-hmm. just tough timing. Uh, he had a Ridley Scott movie coming out, which was supposedly they were aggressively marketing and getting Oscar buzz, and that's done. It makes it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but like a lot of things change now going forward for like him and movie studios and people and journalists and a lot of people. I gotta imagine there's probably a ton of people in Hollywood who are scared as hell right now. Oh my God. There's probably a lot of people quaking, you know, for all the names that have come out, there's a bunch more that haven't. And I say anybody who's done bad stuff, bring them to the light. Mm. However, with one caveat, I can't live in a world where Tom Hanks is guilty of a thing like this. Oh, my God. No, if, it's, if it's Tom Hanks or somebody, don't tell me. Come take away my cell phone. <laughs> Just keep me... I, I can't live... Uh, the country's too fragile. If you we had can't to, take that. If you had to lose one of the two, would it be Hanks or Jeter? If you had to lose one to scandal. Oh. Jeter. It's gotta be Jeter. It's gotta be Jeter, gotta, right? Tom, yeah. Hanks, Tom Hanks is different. It's just different. You grew up with, we grew up with him. That's <laughs> I grew up with Derek Jeter as well, but no, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually one of the points that was kind of brought up. On some level, this sort of is like the litmus test to see if like how much protection an A-list celebrity has as opposed to like someone like Harvey Weinstein. And the fact that it seems like none seems to be the story. Again, I I get this impression that you're going to hear more and more and more stuff like this going on and on. No, to be fair though, because I think I don't think that you can count Kevin Spacey as when they say like A-list person like this Mm. i think it's very different i don't think he qualifies the way that when you say how much protection would an a-list person have because number one it's it's something that people have already talked about with him Mm. um it's something where there's people who are underage involved it's something where it's you know it's mostly guys as him being a gay man all that stuff is a little bit easier to to break the story and get it going on than it is like if it were, you know, I don't know if there's anything about the guy, but if it were like George Clooney and it were just like 22-year-old extras, that story is tougher to sell than all the salaciousness to Kevin Spacey. And also Kevin Spacey, for being as popular as he is, is not at the very top upper echelon of a guy like, you know, yeah. like Tom Hanks or somebody like that. Yeah, it's like you look at somebody like Tom Cruise or like someone like that too, right? Like he is protected for other reasons and that's a whole other conversation but like he's a different level of star if something bad has happened in Tom Cruise I feel like there's more well, people that's the th- I and mean, the Scientology is a whole other thing because yeah. that kid from that 70s show raped like four women yeah. oh Danny Ma- and uh, he yeah Danny yeah. Masterson yeah. the kid who played Hyde and he keeps getting stalled on his charges because he's a big time Scientologist and all these people are yeah, in the church crazy. of Scientology so, crazy, so you're not getting represented properly oh and... they say it all the time that John Travolta and Tom Cruise could it's like the Trump joke. You could they could shoot somebody in the street, and the Scientology and the Scientology would cover it up for them. Like yeah. that's how ingrained they are in it, and that's how much like protection they have. Let's move away from from that for a minute, but let's stay on on Netflix because I do have some like pop culture type news to talk to you guys about. And this is like, and again, this is a tough L for Netflix, and this is not the first L that Netflix has taken this week. Like this is a tough L for them with their original programming. And Kev, we even talked about it this week. Like the prices are going up. 
right? They've tr- they've raised the price of Netflix twice in the last year and a half. And they're losing It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia at the end of the year. It's going to wherever it's going. You, you told me something else is leaving, like one of the NBC shows, like Office or Parks and Rec or one of those types of shows. They're also taking away Disney movies. They're take, that's the other one. Yeah, Disney Which movies. Which is like a big deal if you have kids because <laughs> that is great to be, able to be able to put movies on that are like, you know, Disney There's movies. also a lot of content so, that falls under the Disney umbrella. Yeah. The stuff that you don't think about when you look at Marvel. the very first yeah, think of, you know, more Disney just, movies. There's more than just... Yeah, there's more than the cartoons. There's, there's mm-hmm. movies. I've been on Netflix for a long time. I love Netflix, and I am going to talk positively about Netflix in just a minute about one aspect. But I do think that there is some, I think there's some potential Napster scenario here for Netflix. I feel like a lot of companies are showing up to sort of do the thing that they do now, mm-hmm. and some of them are already doing it better. I would argue that Amazon and Hulu are just as good, if not better, in certain aspects than Netflix is. There's like Shutter now. I think there is. Mm. There's like a few of them they keep seeing advertisements for now. Well, it all comes. Well, Shutter. I, I want to get Shutter is specifically just for like horror yeah. stuff. And I think I mean we're it's almost getting to a point where you know you're going to need to pay the same amount of money because all the services are becoming so specialized. Mm-hmm. But Netflix in the future is going to live and die on their original content. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Because. You, you know, you look at their movie selection and even, you know, their movie selection has been trashed for like three or four years now. Their show selection has been shrinking every quarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? As shows go off and Hulu keeps buying up every show that lives. Um, yeah, the Netflix is becoming less relevant, but they are doubling down on the original content. It seems to be working so far, but it's tough to strap yourself to that kind yeah. of thing. And I still choose them for movies. Hulu still doesn't have very... Like, no. Netflix no, at the Amazon moment. Amazon has got killer yeah, movies. Yeah, Amazon's awesome. I watched an Amazon movie member. today. I had the day off and I watched a movie. I did think this was interesting, though. And one of the things that's uh, interesting about internet streaming and online streaming and these platforms is they don't always give out necessarily numbers about how well they're doing. Uh, I like, We know that Stranger Things is popular because everyone's talking about Stranger Things in the same way that I know less people are watching Narcos. Right, because I don't hear people talking. Like, it's mostly like a buzz type thing. You hear it or you don't hear it. You see it in the media. Uh, Netflix, though, did actually finally give a quote-unquote Nielsen rating for how many people turned out for the first episode of Stranger Things Season 2. And their number is 15.8 million people, which is more than The Walking Dead, but somehow less than a show on TV called The Good Doctor, which I've um, never heard I've of. I've heard of it. It's like... It's- a kid who's autistic. Yeah, autistic doctor show yeah, on CBS. Look, I, think, I would uh, never thought that. I but maybe the, the age group people love TV, CBS. Yeah, at that time is watching that. Yeah, well, that's old folks yeah. love CBS. It's the same reason that like mm. they're still making like Big Bang Theory and stuff like that. Mm. Old folks, man. Well, the argument though is that there is a caveat to these findings that this data does not count Netflix users who are watching shows on their laptops or smartphones, and oh. a company can't account for subscribers outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. So the idea is probably that Stranger Things is probably still being seen more than even the most popular shows on TV right now. Could be if I that's what the it. numbers are. Could be college campuses. A lot of these kids oh, are watched yeah. on laptops. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. A lot of people watch. I don't really watch stuff like this. I'm, I don't watch Netflix or anything on my phone. It seems weird to me, but I know a lot of people do. We get into semantics, right? Like I cast Netflix from my phone to my Chromecast sometimes. Is that That's ca- fair. Is that count on watching it as my phone? I'm talking I, specifically about these sick people that'll sit there and I look can't. at the little no, screen and watch that. a whole movie. I'm like, what are you? What What are we doing? No. Get a book. They still make them. <laughs> um, one show that is on Netflix all the time. I hope they don't get rid of it uh, because my favorite is The Twilight Zone. 
Um, and ironically enough, I'm not pleased about this. Uh, it seems like they are going Aren't to they be remaking that? they're rebooting the Twilight Zone with Jordan Peele of Key and Peele is going to okay. be producing it. Well, he's been getting okay. a lot of buzz because of uh, was it he's fine. Uh, Get Out? Right? Is that him? Yeah. That yeah. No, Get Out is him. He's the horror producer. Mm-hmm. He's the. I, 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 there's not many people that I would trust more right mm-hmm. now that are like in the realm. I didn't know that, that he did. Yeah, he did that movie Get Out that actually just arrived on HBO Now. I was yeah. like, there's a bunch of new HBO yes, movies. We got to talk about it. this off the air, Sam. There's a lot of movies <laughs> on HBO that landed today. Um, yeah, so accordingly... Like they always reboot the Twilight Zone. Okay, so they've rebooted the Once Twilight... Once every 10 years, right? They've rebooted it at least twice. Yeah. Um, and neither of them has been good. Because here's the problem. It's like anything else. A lot of those stories don't work in modern day... You have to change a lot of that stuff to make it work in today's world because the technology's different. The times are different. Like, the story ideas never change. Those are timeless, like the twists in that. But a lot of times you got to update that stuff, and it's just not there sometimes. And so many people are creating movies and doing things now that weren't then when Twilight Zone came out. So. And Black Mirror's already kind of doing this, isn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like this. It's not. there's a lot of shows that have taken the mantle of Twilight Zone now. I don't necessarily think the name Twilight Zone brings in that many more people besides nerds like me. It could. I mean, it it's, could. It's, it's it's a known thing, and people love mm. to reboot intellectual property. I think if you're rebooting the Twilight Zone, the move is not to try to redo all the episodes. You can do a couple, maybe iconic ones, do like a little mm-hmm. uptake or like an updated version, but I think it's to have new episodes yeah. is how you get people in on it. They could bring back the Outer Limits. Remember that one? <laughs> so the Outer Limits was kind of like, like the Twilight zone, Twilight zone, but it was a little more like aliens, yeah. right? As opposed to like just supernatural. Yep. Do you remember Tales from the Dark Side? Oh, yeah. Or Tales from the Crypt, Tales not Tales from the, from the Dark oh, Side. Tales from the Dark Side used to be on some weird channel, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I used to watch it at my grandparents' house in the summer, and it was all, it was, like, the really, like, 70s or 80s and, like, low budget and kind of weird, but some of them were all right. Um, so, yeah, Twilight Zone reboot, I'm saving my, um, I'm saving my judgment for now. You but watch. I will, th- I do think it's interesting that it's going directly to CBS's streaming <clears throat> app, though. They're not putting it on CBS, it's going directly to their all CBS? App. Well, that's they own the rights. To, they own the rights to. Oh, it, fair you know enough. I mean, so the name Twilight Zone, uh, and I guess let's get into one Trump story this week. Um, you promised. I, yeah, I, you broke you Well, this promised. isn't about politics, but please tell me you guys saw the story about the eleven glorious minutes when a rogue Twitter employee uh, deleted his account <laughs> this week on Twitter. Missed that one. This guy should win some sort. Not in this government, but he would win. He should win some sort of prize <laughs> for this. Uh, the still unidentified employee managed to delete his account for about 11 uh, minutes. Um, Twitter said that even though they you know they investigated it and it's all back together, I just thought it was hilarious. Uh, but it was his last day at work, and he was doing it as sort of a uh, he or she was doing it as some sort of like uh, you know protest. Yep. You, ever do- you ever thought about doing something wild in your last day at work, like quitting in an outrageous way? No. You never have? No. Okay, have any I've outrage? thought about it. I've never done it. <laughs> I've thought about so many different... I've, every job I've ever had, there's at least five to ten, like, rage quit scenarios that I had <laughs> in my head after, like, bad days. Definitely. I've liked my job. I've never done it. <laughs> so, so it got me fi- look at, interested in looking up some other people who had some crazy last day work heroics. Uh, here's one from August 2010. A guy named Steve Slater was working as a JetBlue flight attendant. On a flight from Pittsburgh to New York City, he announced over the PA system that uh, he had been assaulted by a passenger and told everybody to, quote, go fuck yourselves, <laughs> and that he was quitting then and there. I remember that. 
the flight attendant, who had been in the industry for 28 years, grabbed two beers and opened the emergency hatch of the plane. He then deployed the emergency inflatable slide, <laughs> threw his bags down, slid out after them, walked to the place he parked his car, and drove home. That's, a, that's great. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he was charged with attempted fourth-degree criminal mischief uh, and left the company soon after that. This is a really good one. Uh, a man who had become fed up with his poor working conditions at a hotel he was working for, a Renaissance Providence Hotel... He'd been working there for three years and decided to call it quits. He walked into his off his boss's office and said, Jared, I'm here to tell you that I'm quitting before handing him a letter of resignation and triumphantly walking out with the marching band he hired to follow him around and play music in tow as he quit his job. That's the most baller thing I've ever heard. That's pretty good. I wouldn't even know what to think if I saw that. And I got one last one for you before we go to our break. Uh, this was from a journalist in Alaska, a journalist named Carlo Green. Uh, was a reporter for Alaska's KTVA channel when she bluntly left her on-air job in September of 2014. Uh, Green was speaking on-air about medical marijuana when she bluntly announced she was devoting all her time going forward to getting marijuana legalized in the northern states. This was the quote, I, the actual owner of the Alaska Cannabis Club, will be dedicating all of my energy for freedom, for fighting, and fairness, uh, which begins with legislating marijuana here in Alaska. And as for this job, well... Not that I have a choice, but fuck it, I quit. So, a power move. Do this on TV. <laughs> I feel like you get in trouble for swearing on TV, though, right? You get hit with some fines for that. Power move, though. So, yeah. If anyone has any good, wild stories about quitting they want to share, hit us up on Twitter or send us any messages. I've never quit any job, really. Yeah, I quit MetLife, but they were happy to have me leave. <laughs> like, they, they, were like, they were like, yeah, fine, good, get out. I always, man, you always got to give two weeks and serve two weeks. I don't think I've ever, I've never, like, walked out of a job, walked out. Mm -hmm. You ever give the two weeks and they say, nah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> you can go, that's fine. Uh, no. I've had that one happen. Never before. happened. That one's happened before. All right, let's get to this week's interview uh, with uh, our GFOP from... All the way back in episode seven, and I believe we had another interview somewhere in between. But uh, you know, we had a chat—not so much an interview, but like a little chat. We had a video conversation as well that we did a long time ago. But you know, Ryan—he's uh, been a great friend of the pod for a long time. He's been a great supporter of Made in Utica, and I just—I love Ryan and and his interest in technology and his interest in community and helping small business here in Utica. He's been involved with tons and tons going on besides the Thinkubator. Uh, he helped get this Detour app uh, beta test off the uh, ground last week. He's hoping there's gonna be more of that going forward. Let's go into our interview with GFOP, Ryan Miller. responsibilities post this to go to it's what happens when you get older that's true i wasn't even gonna bring it up is that an iphone 8 
No, this is a cracked iPhone Seven. Oh, is this is Seven. <laughs> okay, I was curious. I am, I am dying to uh, to to move that up. I did try the Ten the other day. Uh, a friend of mine camped out and got it, and it's it's sexy. It's sexy. Is it broken already? I heard if they drop immediately, they're broken. <laughs> it's not broken yet, but he's got it in this like really swank case. And I hear if you drop it, it's like five hundred bucks, like because it's some it's... custom back thing. I don't know. That's like I, I'm. You know, I got an iPhone Seven, like a regular iPhone yeah. Seven, right? And um, I was kind of waiting. I had an iPhone mm-hmm. 6 for years, and I was waiting yeah. for the 8 to come out. Yeah. And I finally, I just couldn't wait anymore. I'm like, my phone is no longer working. Yeah. It's I'm, yeah. I'm like a ghost. I'm like Parkinson all of a sudden. No one can get a hold of him. Uh, <laughs> so I said, I'm just going to get a 7. Yeah. I got the 7, and I like it. Yeah. The 8 came out like two months afterwards. I'm like, ah! Yeah. And now in hindsight, I feel like I didn't miss no. too much. No, I, I don't think you did. You know, I, I'm going to do it. Uh, I think I'm due for an upgrade, but like, eh. You know, I didn't mean to, I didn't plan on getting into this. You're an Apple guy. I, I am. Yeah. Do you feel like Apple's doing okay? I feel like they're slipping a little. They're bit. Slipping a bit, right? Not gonna lie. <laughs> Not gonna lie. And I'm I'm as big of an Apple guy as you'll probably find. And I feel like like my MacBook that I bought two years ago. I'm like that's the that's the that's the high water mark for a MacBook. Yeah. I hate this no port, no button. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. You and know? I remember people giving. Particularly our, our 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 host of the show, Kevin Sullivan, who's yeah. laughing in this green room listening to us down talk, talk down about Apple. He's a notorious <laughs> Apple hater. Um, but like I remember hearing a lot when like, oh, we're getting rid of the the headphone jack, right. right? And I'm like, I see a lot of these new phones don't have a headphone jack yeah. either, so I don't know. I will tell you though, as someone that like when they got rid of the headphone jack, I was like, ah, it doesn't matter, I'll use the nope. Did it. The best Invention. Oh you! Oh oh yeah! Yeah yeah! You have the wireless. These headphones. are the yeah. best inventions since the iPhone. Oh yeah! I mean, without a doubt, these are they're fantastic. So. You know my this is good, this is an anal retentive thing. I have a hard time keeping the Apple earbuds in my ears. This will fix it. Is that what it this is? Yeah, it's the cord. It's not the thing. I I mm. run in them. Do whatever, it's no problem. So huh. I thought the same thing, and these do not fall out of my ears. So. Traditionally, we've already talked for three minutes. Yes, I have not sorry. introduced you <laughs> as the director of Thank You, Baby. You'll do the little fade in. Thing. <laughs> a little fade in. Do, right? uh, Ryan Miller, director, it's nice to see you. One of our earliest yeah. guests on the show, all the way back in episode number seven. seven. Yes, it's seven. good to be back. That's got We're getting on two, almost two years since you've been Has on. Has it been show. that long? Every ep- once like a that. week. So. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it goes really quickly. That's Whenever crazy. I t- <laughs> That's crazy. How have your two years been since yeah, I've seen you? It's been fine. You look exactly the same. <laughs> no, I never change. I never change anything. <laughs> so, um, you were, uh, last time I spoke to you, or last time I heard from you a little bit, you were kind of ramping up for TEDx, which I sadly didn't get a chance to be a part of this year because grad school has ruined my ability You've to have. You've got the YouTube, you know? It's, grad school ruins my, I love going to school, mind you. But are you going to grad grad school? Grad school, yeah, you see. No, but I mean, are you going to graduate grad school? Will you, will you be a grad of grad school? Hmm. That's a great that. question. Okay. Uh, a question that uh, I would, I'd certainly want to see it through. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone into grad school again yeah. if I didn't really want that master's. Yeah. Right. Like sure. It means sure. something to me. Sure. In a world where I think we'd give less value to that piece mm-hmm. of paper now, somewhere mm-hmm. along, sure. I, I, somewhere along the way, I, think, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Um, I think it still means something to me growing mm-hmm. up in a family of teachers, mm-hmm. where I, sure. I don't know. I just want to. I want to. Yeah. Will financial constraints and the way sure. and reality stop me from sure. doing it? Who knows, mm-hmm. right? What's to say? Um, I got real heavy, didn't I? <laughs> I, did. I feel I'm bummed out. Yeah. How did uh, how was that year for you? It was you? great, man. Uh, I think it was really good. We, you know, every year we panic that we're not going to find. 
the right mix of speakers, and every year um, people pull through. Oh, I yeah. know. I mean, this year it was it was you know it's not without its um, panic moments, but um, you know you got a good team, and it, mm. every year it gets harder or less hard by half. And so yeah. five years in, it's like you know a fifth as hard as as it was the first year. So and you've been involved for a long time now. This, this is was our the, fifth yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there is there something that goes into it every year? You, you, you say the same thing. It's like a half easier. Yeah. Um, do you want? Is there a way to to keep yourself from getting complacent with it though? When you're trying to keep going another year after another year? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. <laughs> so uh, the reason I brought you on today, uh, we had talked a little bit about this, and I uh, and I caught up with some family stuff this weekend. Mm-hmm. But you uh, were premiering. It was a. It was an early. An yeah. early access of the Detour app? This was a beta. We are trying to mm. just, like, what happens when we put people that are not us through this experience? Right. Does it, does it work? Mm. Is it good? Do they have a good time? And so we um, we got a group of, uh, I think, like, six or eight people mm. on Saturday, and we set them loose and just observed and yeah. just see, see what happened. You mm. know? And it, it went good. It went really well, I think. Um, we're launching this coming Saturday, God willing. So... The real quick backstory, and I'm not checking my phone because I have something important to do, but um, <laughs> I actually am waiting for approval from Detour to actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> we said because uh, this is the this is the challenge. This is a this was a um, my wife and I took one of these when we were out in San Francisco. Yeah. I was I was, I, and it was a, it was an immersive experience, uh, unlike anything I've ever done. And I said, man. I would love to do this here, but it's only in major cities. It's like yeah. New York, Chicago, San Francisco. That's it. About a month and a half ago, they opened up the platform and said, now anyone can create a detour. And like that day, I, I got a developer account. I started learning the software and um, and then about and started the project. And then about three weeks later, they're like, oh, we're going to press pause on this. We don't know if we want to, this to be a platform. Sure. And I was really upset. And so I started emailing it's anyone that I could man. find at the company. It was like, guys, like... I feel like you're completely underestimating the impact that this can be. It's a great app for yeah. small cities. Um, we already started. Can you can you give us a pass? And and uh, uh, Alex there said, uh, you know, let's let's see what you got. Mm. And so we're waiting on final approval. We submitted it for review oh. last week. He said we'll hear today, but um, we're confident that it's so yeah. good that they're gonna they can't ignore it. Well, it's fascinating, and I I'm. Sorry, that's a long answer. No, no, it's, for those of you folks who have not done any research on this Detour app, uh, primarily if I'm giving it one sentence, it's guided walking tours uh, on your cell phone or through the app of major metropolitan cities and in your, with your hopes, any city where we can get people. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and so it uses, so it's not just like, it's like a podcast, like, so if it were the Uticast, Mm. you guys, uh, different segments came up based on where I was in the city. Right. Um, if there was a Uticast running commentary for driving through the city, right, it, right. I would be fired from this right. <laughs> But that's that's the premise, and, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. and it's told through the eyes of mm. of of different different people. So it's not just like the museum creation, like I knew mm. right, but blah, blah blah. Like we we really took the time to um, interview a bunch of historians mm. and do field recording and and walk through and and get kind of the hidden history of Bag Square. Yeah. So all the stuff that is really interesting. Um, that's not necessarily overtly obvious, you know, mm. and that's where that's what mm. we focused on. No, I was disappointed I couldn't make it because I think this is a, I love this idea. Um, the first time I've ever seen anything sort of like this, not to get morbid again. When I was yeah. in New York City, mm-hmm. they used to do the walking tour for nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. but it wasn't an app; it was legitimately yeah. 
like there's here's, a, a, here's the the thing with the the speaker. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I remember going to it, and I'm kind of cynical. I'm like, really, I gotta like wear this headphone yeah. all the time. I don't know how I feel about this, but I gotta be honest. Within ten minutes, like, oh, this is this yeah, is interesting. It's immersive. I, I like the way this this mm-hmm. it really sucks you in and gives you that feeling. It does. And it's nice. Uh, and I I love this idea mm-hmm. as a as a concept for a larger idea. And Utica has. Really cool stories. Dude, we were stunned. <laughs> yeah. We were stunned. Great stories about and Utica. Th- like, so this one is, you know, we're hoping that <laughs> this is successful and that this can become a series because <laughs> we we would lo- we had to limit it to Bag Square East, which we started there because that's actually where Utica started. So <laughs> if you look around, like, the Children's Museum area, yeah. that's where this is. And we kept it to about 45 minutes um, uh, because we also put this together in about six weeks. Like, yeah. we worked really hard and... Uh, but there's so much there's so much that got left out, you know, and uh, just amazing, amazing stories that we couldn't fit into this one and then that we heard about Bag Square West. So maybe mm. we'll do another one if it's successful. If you ever want to do a, a casual South Utica one, I'll be like, this is where Pizza Pad used to be. <laughs> this and is now where the rainforest used to be. <laughs> this is where, yeah, Club Amnesia used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just a snarky history of South yeah. Utica. Um, and I think this is an awesome idea. You tend to find yourself surrounded by a lot of interesting technological ideas. I assume that comes from your position as the director, and you're you're pretty interested in tech anyway. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: I don't think that I'm doing anything that's like incredibly innovative. I think that I I like being first at stuff, or at least trying stuff first, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, other other areas are 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 doing a lot of these kinds of things, and and I love being. a person that can help maybe speed some of this along to our not like we're behind we're just we you know we don't have a lot of people that are working on these things and and as someone that you know it was it, it was like getting the band back together so to speak with me and Jeff Storm yeah. and, and Matt Matt Wagner uh, did our, our audio engineering you know like Jeff and I have we're kind of we've done a bunch of projects together and we've been looking for something you know to do just to scratch our own itch and then this came out and. Um, as, as so many things happened, we went out for a beer, and he was immediately just like, yes, we're doing it. Let's get to work. And so when that happens, uh, you know, the, the train's moving out of the station. So yeah. we're really stoked. Sometimes, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot of times, even when we do videos of Parkinson's, mm-hmm. if we go do the, like, the bag squ- or the, the Franklin Square videos. Oh, yeah. The hardest part with those always is the first, like, yeah. 20 minutes. So like yeah. just trying to get everybody hyped up yep. and, and ready to go. But once yep. it starts, the process is always yeah. easy. You need that spark somewhere you along the way. You need that spark, you know? And, and, and it's... So I was talking with Z today as well. And, and, you know, obviously we want a ton of people to experience this. Mm-hmm. But if if it's literally, like, me and Jeff and Matt and the people that did it and no one else, like, I will have felt... Yeah. Success- like, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, exactly. we, we... It's like uh, the analogy of a band. Like, you make music because you want to make music. You know, and like right. we, we did this for us, and we hope other people love it too. But it was a great experience. Well, that's the right way to do things. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not always the way things go, unfortunately. Uh, that's true. Exactly. That's true. So I want to talk to you about quickly about the thank you Bay for two things. Uh, yeah. One. So I need to tell you a story. There's a little uh, okay. quick aside. I work for a program at Utica College called the Young, Young Scholars, Scholars Program, and uh, I was told by my boss at a meeting a few weeks ago that there was an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, on November 10th uh, we're at, taking our kids yes. to at the incubator and this is not an open event for I don't know if this is an open event no it's not so don't come anyway yeah. but the uh, <laughs> point is I said oh you're doing an event mm-hmm. at the incubator my, mm-hmm. my buddy Ryan mm-hmm. works there Yeah. I said who's giving the presentation there and they go oh Ryan and then Sarah Foster Sarah, yeah. from Oatnighty County yeah. Tourism and then 
my boss looks at me and goes, wait, you know those guys, don't you? Yeah. I go, yeah. He's like, you own a company, don't you? And I go, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, it's a company. So now I'm giving a presentation as well. Oh, I don't wonderful. know if they've told you this. No, I don't. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm also okay. giving a presentation. I've somehow accidentally talked my way into it. Okay. Um, so I guess my question is this. Mm-hmm. I assume you're going to come out with some sort of crazy hydro, uh, like, uh, hologram drone presentation oh, that I'm sure. not going to be able to top. So what, what, what am I, I doing? What am I, what should I I'll be I'll tell expecting? you, I give, I give a lot of talks, and this is my system for talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't memorize things for, a, like, um, a lot of times I'll give, like, 30-minute, 60-minute, like, keynotes. Yeah. And um, I can't keep that continuity of thought going through. Right. So my entire process for keynotes is um, I use GIFs. Giphy is, like, is yes. my best friend. So when I so my keynotes are like 60 70 80 slides I'm not going to be doing that this sure. Friday but it's be, it's because it keeps the audience engaged and I just do full like no text just like images yeah and that that means I only have to remember one or two sentences per right. slide and yeah. then I use a visual cue for the next thing so I just dance <laughs> that's through pretty it. good actually there's no that's the only reason I use those long presentations well I'm like a PowerPoint guy I mean I do and I'm not like one of those guys who like plugs a whole bunch of stuff in a PowerPoint yeah. and then hits the design key and it makes no, it. No, no, no. I make outrageously elaborate PowerPoints with like comic bubbles and animation really? and nonsense. Just weird teacher nonsense. So you, this is you're telling me you need a projector? I'm asking if there is a projector. Oh, there's a projector, yeah. All right, so I'm trying yeah. to debate about whether or not I should. Will you be do projecting it? from a Mac or a PC? We'll talk about this after. Okay. <laughs> the point is, I just yeah. want to be prepared yeah, for what's coming at me. Uh, I gotta say, we haven't really talked about it much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've done an excellent, excellent job with that space down there. It looks really, really beautiful. How long have you been in that space? It's got to be almost two years now, right? Uh, we've been in that space a year and three year. months. Yeah, and I've been doing this a, just over two yeah. years. So yeah. So a year and three months. How do you feel like things have changed since you've moved into that space? Um, I think that there's still a lot of people that don't know uh, quite mm-hmm. what it is that we do, which which is no no change at all. Um, I think that. I've figured out a little bit more what the the recipe is for kind of doing like microeconomic development in Utica. Right. You know? um, we were, you know, a lot of incubators and stuff. We we want we want Zucks to walk in the door, the next Zucks. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, for sure. And uh, but the thesis that Stacy and I have kind of subscribed to is that all right. Well, most incubators are chasing large, scalable companies. What if we did the opposite? Because what if we could help build, you know, thirty small really cool businesses that employ um, young people that keep them here, that create the conditions and the quality mm-hmm. of life that then attract larger companies. Like, yeah. let's just do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And we'll, if Zucks is out there, we'll, we'll take, we'll, <laughs> yeah, trust me, obviously. we'd love to work with you. But, um, you know, the, and, and we found a, a fair amount of success working with people that want to build really good and really small to start. Um, well, no, it's important. I'll tell you, I do a lot of student evaluation, mm-hmm. uh, like, educational evaluation, mm-hmm. like personality evaluation with these kids. And one of the things we have to ask them a lot is, you know, when you are thinking about college, you're thinking about leaving for college, mm-hmm. are you thinking about staying here? Mm-hmm. Or are you thinking about going somewhere else? And I can't really lead them. I'm not, not, yeah. I'm not supposed to lead them one way or sure. the other in terms of the questioning. And more often than not, most kids, and that's, you know, at a younger age, want to stay around here, which is not something that I experienced. That's stunning to me that you're it's, hearing that. You would say, yeah. you think so. Because growing up, where I grew yeah. up, like most of my friends are like, I can't wait to get out of yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a younger generation who realizes that like this is where their family is. Mm-hmm. and like they're Or that's what's important. That's, that's a priority for them. I also know? think, too, that a lot of the stuff... When I went to New York, I felt like I couldn't do a lot of the things. Take a drink. 
Ah, salud. I know, right? <laughs> uh, when I was down there, I really felt like I, I was doing things down there that I couldn't do here. And then mm-hmm. outside of, like, the nightlife, mm-hmm. I was kind of wrong. All, mm-hmm. like, the podcasting stuff and mm-hmm. all, like, the things I was into and, like, finding... I wasn't doing crazy work. I was working at restaurants. Like, mm-hmm. all yeah. the things I could find down there, I could find here. Sure. It was just at a different, different level. Way. And I think this generation that's a little more tech-savvy and internet-savvy is kind of aware of the struggles yeah. that exist with living in those kind of places. I think that's more common, at least. Well, I also think that there's, you know... on on the Two points. Number one... You know, you going and being in podcast land in New York and then coming back and being, you know, I, I, I have no idea what you plan on doing after grad school or like what you do all day because you're, you're Sam from Uticast, right? <laughs> like that's your thing. And, and I think here you can be that. You can be so many different things here because you kind of were one of the first people uh, you know, there, there's there's other folks too, but you're one of that this first core group of people that like put the the staff in the sand. Or like, I'm doing a podcast. Well, you know, you were yeah. you, you were you weren't uh, um, you were part of this like pioneering. You know, you weren't dumping into well, a, a market be, like New York. I'll be real honest. You know, when I did the podcast in New York that we did the 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 sports podcast mm-hmm. that I did down there, which was very poorly received because mm-hmm. we didn't know what we were doing mm-hmm. or how to market it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it for fun, right? Sure. Here, it's become something of sort of a mantra for me every week. Because sure. every week, I say to every guest, like, I always say this is the last one. I'm like, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, totally. But it sort of becomes a personal totally. mantra. Um, but again, even when I started doing the show, I knew that we were going to put out the first 25 episodes, 30 episodes mm-hmm. of the show, and a lot of people were, A, not going to know what a podcast yep. was, B, yep. not know where to find it, mm-hmm. C, not be aware of what we were doing, or C, listen to the first 30 yep. seconds and go, I don't know what this is, and turn it off. I yeah. expected that, yeah. and the fact that we've gotten as much response totally. as we have, and it's taken about as much time as I expected for yeah. people to sort of get into it, but the time was right to do mm-hmm. something. You always want to be the first. You never want to be the last. Totally, but that's what you can do, you know, you can do that here, and, and the other thing with these the kids that want to stay, I think they understand inherently that um, there's, you know, you can, you can, if you can find even a, a mediocre gig or a day job, right, yeah. like, I, one of the things that I'm fascinated about is how can we help everyone figure out how to make another three hundred to five hundred dollars a month on the yeah, internet, like doing yeah. some whatever it is, right? Like, and you can do that from Utica, you do that yeah. from wherever. So there's opportunity here. It's just it's not, not you know. I gave it. I gave a talk the other night um, to a bunch of school administrators, and uh, I was telling them a story about I have I have a student in my class, uh, a class that I teach mm. who remain nameless, but the kid is uh, a really nice guy. Uh, super into video games, and mm. he's got forty nine thousand followers on YouTube. Yeah, it's wild, right? Man. And he makes money like doing sponsorships and all this stuff. And I'm like, you can't. He's not going to go sell insurance, guys. Let me. Like, he's building a different kind of career. Like, yeah. support this. The YouTube thing is crazy to me, though. Yeah. And I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube because I watch mm-hmm. a lot of like uh, wrestling and video game nonsense because yeah. I'm a huge nerd. Kevin and I, a couple months ago found this weird YouTube channel that we got into. It was this one guy doing the Marble Olympics. The Marble Olympics. If you people are fascinated enough, go look it up on it. It was a guy doing Olympic events in his house with Legos and marbles. It was super elaborate. Some guy in his basement. Really? And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. He had like 400,000 followers. And I thought to myself, like, what? Yeah. Where did I miss? Right. <laughs> How did I miss right. out? You're late. You're I'm late to the party. Late on the party, man. It's crazy. Crazy, yeah, crazy you can stuff. just be be hmm. something unique. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're on a yeah. time limit. Uh, I just got to ask two things mm-hmm. for you before we get to the lightning round. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, 
I'm always curious. You you have your hand in a lot of different mm-hmm. things. What's day to day life for you like down at the bank today? Now, uh, well, it changes every day. Um, That's got to be nice. <laughs> which is great. It's never the same. It's always fast paced. Like you know, so for example, um, today we had two events in the space. I I met with two new entrepreneurs today. Um, you know, tried to tried to um, reply to about sixty emails um, and and doing some media. You know, like it it just it varies, but. It's it typically is a lot of just talking and typing, you know. I know that's a good portion of what my life is. Yeah, but um, it's it's great. It, I have I have zero. I am the luckiest dude I know. I have zero complaints. And uh, I generally don't ask because Heather's usually here to be my mom corner person. I just and... text her on my way here. <laughs> Any dad advice you have for our young father? Are you are you having a baby? No. I'm not. Oh. <laughs> oh. Any advice for for any young fathers out yeah, there? Yeah. Uh yeah, I guess the advice is you like everyone tells you they they say things like haha have fun not sleeping. Haha. It's the worst thing ever. Yes. Ever. They Dude. can take that incredibly seriously and um, all the stuff that other people tell, like your parents will tell you, oh, it's the best thing in the world, blah, 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 and you're like, yeah, whatever. It truly is the best thing that has ever happened to me, oh, ever, yeah. ever, and just enjoy it. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. I love it. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. we got five minutes left. Yeah. I guess let's dig into this lightning round. Because you've been here such a long time ago, a lot of these questions, mm. probably, we probably didn't even do the lightning round when you were here. The Not first the first time. time. Uh, well, oh, no, we did, we did, we did one, but I think they've changed. Since they the... probably, we, it's been a long enough time, yeah. I don't feel so bad about it, so yeah. Ryan Miller, director of the Thinkubator, uh, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? I take espresso. Espresso? You got a machine? Yes. I have a hand-pressed espresso machine. <laughs> of course you do. Yes. <laughs> I make I love my espresso, espresso, by the way. I like, I like espresso. Yeah. I, I used to do that at work when I was working yep. at the restaurant because we had the automatic espresso yeah. machine. If I didn't want to spend the whole day nursing a cup of coffee, I'd just be like, yep. ah, all right, let's do it. Yep. Uh, what was your first automobile? Believe it or not, my first automobile was a 1978 Ford Mustang T-top convertible. Oh, yeah. hot shot. You must have been quite the ladies' man. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> was, was beautiful. It oh, had well. uh, uh, the seatbelts barely worked, uh, standard, and then it stalled when you went downhill. So the mm. exterior was beautiful. The interior was mm. a death trap. Well, you may or may not No have... power steering either, by the way. So as an 18-year-old oh, kid, it was, it was rough. These, these kids don't know what it's like these no, days. No, they don't. <laughs> you may or may not have taken your Ford Mustang to see it. But what was your first live music event? I saw uh, Green Day at the Rochester War Memorial. Mm, yeah. Green Day. I'm yeah. trying to think of what album that would have been. This was on the Insomniac tour. Oh, I like Insomniac. Yeah. Insomniac is probably... Okay, so Nimrod mm-hmm. was one of the first CDs I remember going mm-hmm. to the mall and buying on my own yep. money. It's also probably the last Green Day album that I really uh-huh. loved. Yeah, I, and then I everything else, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. there's some. I mean, there's that American Idiot stuff is good, you know. But. All right, so American Idiot. Not to get in a whole Green Day tangent, I bought American Idiot when it came out. Mm-hmm. I listened to it. I liked it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. But even at the time, I go, okay, mm-hmm. okay, this might be. I don't know where go, where go, where go from where this. We're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think I was right. I was like, yeah. okay, you guys don't know where you're going from this season. No. That's fine. They, <laughs> hey, man, Broadway. they made it 30 years or whatever. They're doing better than most, I'm, you know? Of all the bands I grew up listening to, I th- I think it's interesting that Green Day is the one that probably sells out arenas, right? Still, well, right? Them, them Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, I was I don't think of Pearl Jam. Fans. I like Pearl Jam, too, but I don't think... Pearl, Pearl Jam doesn't strike me in that same place as Green Day does for... I think people look at... I don't know. Well, I, I get off the, the whole tangent I, I now. I think that, like, kids still, like... 
new generations of kids are finding Green Day and Pearl Jam. I feel like we're all just riding the same. It, it exists. Yeah. In a, in a it exists in its own yeah. thing, and we all move together. Yes, that's that's a great that's a great point. Uh, let's stick with music for this one. Mm-hmm. Give me one. Oh well, maybe. Give me one book, album, movie, or or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Oh wait, say that book so, book album movie or show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. I'm digging back into my Tom Waits catalog and Tom revisiting Waits. everything. Yeah, he's my favorite person <laughs> ever, and I'm still going like, still going back to, to Nighthawks at the Diner's record that changed my life. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, a book that I'm reading, Sapiens. I would recommend Sapiens. it. Sapiens. It is a history. is a nonfiction book. It is a history of humanity from uh when we were uh uh not quite human all the way through today and it's very scientific very dry very long but very good good in sapiens um you uh all right you are going to dinner Mm -hmm. with one person Mm -hmm. any person you want living or dead Mm -hmm. who is not your relative who would it be? I have to say my wife. We have to go. We're still. We still have to. I You're required to say. To say I mean, yeah, right. she yeah. is living your day. Yeah, she's she's she is technically your family. Yeah, she. Yeah, I guess she is. Uh, not uh, living. You know, I I don't know. Oh, I almost swore there too. I That's don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, give me give me three seconds. L- living or dead. Living or dead. Anyone. Anyone who's not your family. Um. I want to say so many things that are going to get me into trouble. <laughs> I'm serious. You want to you want to take a pass on it? I can give you a pass. I do. Okay. Uh, let's just say I, I would want to take this person to dinner just so I could. Um, no, I can't even say that. Never mind. We got a pass. We got a pass. We'll move on. Uh, I'll give you the alternate one. Yeah. Uh, you have your choice. The network says whatever one you want. You can go on any game show of your choice. Which one do you feel like you would do the best in? Oh, dude, uh, Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Oh, Are you yeah. a Jeopardy guy? Yeah, you, you I used to be. I don't have TV. I don't have TV anymore. But like, yeah, I, I love Jeopardy. I, I, I mess with Jeopardy because I always, I'm always shocked how much useless knowledge mm-hmm. I've retained over the years. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe I remember this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, Ryan, uh, besides technology, besides your family, mm-hmm. besides fostering a sense of community here in upstate New York, give me one more thing that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. I am passionate about uh, getting people... Try, I, okay, here, here's, I guess, the, the mantra. I'm passionate about uh, connecting people... Uh, who need to be connected and uh, investigating ways where tech can help transform communities. How about that? I love it. That was great. All that right. was very concise. Ryan, thank you so Thanks, much. It's always, always a pleasure to see man. you. I will see you next Friday as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll get, talk more about get that. Get your later. PowerPoint ready. Please, I'm so concerned about Don't it. My kids, are, my kids are going to laugh at me. Uh, <laughs> folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Once again, to Ryan Miller. Did we leave your tea in the kitchen? We did. Left the tea in the kitchen. Where's my tea? We can, the water has to boil. Uh, has I don't boil. understand what everybody's like. The water. Do you need help putting it together right now? We left it in the kitchen. Water boils. Nothing I can do here. <laughs> I didn't even forget the water was boiling. I don't know what we're going to do when it starts to boil. I'm going to go make the tea. Huh. 
That's good. That's fair. <laughs> it was leave for the history lessons, which is what you're playing on. Oh, damn. Aww. Wait, then save the history lessons. It's going to take a minute to boil. I literally just turned it on. It's okay. We have, I'm here. I'm going to save the history lessons? Yeah, I'm maybe good. for like next week. No. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like for your other podcast that you just put out for yourself. Your history podcast. <laughs> That's not a very nice thing to say to your friend. I just wanted to throw that out there okay. at you. Um, I do have one story which we I uh, wasn't totally going to talk about, but we can do it right now if uh, if no, we want to wait. I don't want to derail your. No, keep going. Uh, do you guys know who Sean Combs is? Is an obvious question. Yeah, of course. Yes, that's right. Puff Daddy, PJ, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, Puffy. Puffy. Uh, he is. All right, so I can't believe that this is a story in 2017, yeah, uh, but apparently he has once again decided to change. Oh my God. His name. Have you heard this yet? Well, that's why it's no. a story. Nobody was talking. I heard it. it. I didn't hear it. Nobody had talked about him for years, so he's like, oh, maybe I'll change my name again. Like, that's a relevant thing, and people will talk about it, and I'm getting eyeballs. And it worked, because here we are. I, just think, I know. I mean, I always pay attention to Puffy, because I'm from a certain time and place, but I get sure. what you mean. Uh, it also says that he's had a lot of names that I've never heard before. Who's Puffy Yamiyumi? Is that a thing? No. no. Apparently that's something None of these are things. Well, apparently now, if you're referring to Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or Sean Combs, you are to refer to him as Love, a.k.a. Brother Love. No. Uh, so, That's yeah. what happens when you have millions of dollars. And too much time on yeah. your hand? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I don't know how I feel about Brother Love. I'm sure that uh, Bruce Pritchard's not happy about it. Um, it sounds like a wrestler. He was a wrestler. Okay. He was a wrestling manager, Brother Love. He would paint his face... Uh, red and he wore a white suit. He's like an evangelist type guy, and he would talk about how much he loved you. All right, <sighs> you guys ready for history lessons? Mm-hmm. Uh, the look of anger on your faces when I edited out the tea break it was <laughs> palpable. I should have left it on. You guys are annoyed at me for editing through the tea break. I'm sorry. I just I didn't know you were stopping. Yeah. But you never stop. We never. I stop very rarely stop recording. Well, I didn't want Heather not have her tea. That's she, okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I also didn't want her to miss or you to miss any of these dope dope history lessons. And I'm gonna let you know right now. Uh, they are not in order because I'm doing a thing at the end of one of them. Okay. Are you guys ready? On this day, November sixth, nineteen oh six. Uh, president Teddy Roosevelt embarks on a 17-day trip to Panama and Puerto Rico, becoming the first president to make an official diplomatic tour outside of the continental United States, which is relevant since uh, our current president is on a 12-day trip to Asia. Trying to gin up war with North Korea yeah, to distract from the fact that him and his boys are in jail. Uh, so Roosevelt visited Panama to check on the progress of the Panama Canal. Uh, the construction of which had suffered many setbacks, including worker accidents and disease outbreaks. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, Roosevelt's tenacious demands for improvements in health care and better working conditions pushed the canal project forward just when it was appeared doomed to failure. Huh. Ironic. <laughs> His next stop was Puerto Rico, uh, which had become a U.S. protectorate after the Spanish-American Civil War of 1890. Still almost completely without power. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1906, he traveled there again, uh, to recommend that Puerto, uh, that Puerto Ricans become U.S. citizens, although he stopped sort of suggesting that Puerto Rico become another U.S. state, however, and voted to allow the island a certain amount of autonomy. Uh, although presidents before Roosevelt traveled outside the U.S. and other diplomatic ca- uh, capacities prior, uh, prior to or serving uh, as president, Roosevelt was the first to make a state visit while in office as the president. Uh, Roosevelt's an interesting president to, uh, to read about. Uh, you'd think... 
And like, he has that famous saying, like, I speak softly and carry a big stick, right? That's his big saying. You ever heard that one? Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem, when you look at all his pictures or read about him, like the kind of guy who'd have a soft voice, does he? <laughs> he seems like he'd be much more uh, boisterous. I don't know. It is. I like Teddy Roosevelt. All right. Let's move from one Roosevelt to the other. On this day, November 7th, 1944, uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected to an unprecedented fourth term in office, remaining the only president to have served more than two terms. Um, for the first time, he was elected in the presidency, uh, to the presidency in 1932 uh, to mid-1949 when he died in office. Uh, he presided over two of the biggest crises in United States history, uh, depression, uh, Great Depression in the 1930s and World War II, uh, implementing drastic and often criticized legislature to help boost America out of the Great Depression. Uh, although he initially tried to avoid direct U.S. involvement in the World War II, which began in 1939, uh, he was thrust into it with uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh, by the time he was elected in his fourth term in 1944, uh, war had taken a turn in favor of the Allies, but his health was on the decline. Uh, he died from a stroke in his vacation home uh, in April of 1949. In 1947, uh, Congress proposed a law that would limit presidents to two consecutive terms. Um, just something to think about, Mayor Paul Mary. Two terms. Seems like a good number. That's all. Just something to think about. Something to think about. Let's move on. Um, on this day, <laughs> November 10th, 1969, Sesame Street, a pioneering TV show that would teach generations of young children the alphabet and how to count, made its broadcast debut. Uh, it would go on to become one of the most widely viewed children's programs in the world, airing in more than 120 countries. Uh, this was one of three television shows growing up that I actively remember waking up in the morning and watching at my mom's house. Uh, this... Power Rangers and Bobby's World for the three things. Yeah, Bobby's World. I forgot about that. Uh, I love Sesame Street though. I think to this day, like I could still watch Sesame Street and find it enjoyable. It was one of the first like kids programming shows that I can remember that understood that parents are probably watching this too, and it should have some level of nuance and uh, and like story and mm-hmm. interest for people. It was always really smart and really pop culture savvy. Um, the show was actually the brainchild of someone named Joan Gans Cooney, who was a former uh, uh, documentary producer for public television who wanted to create programming for preschoolers that was both entertaining and educational. Do you guys know where Sesame Street's supposed to be? Uh, like, it's based on an, uh, a real city. Uh, it looks like New York. Yes, that's correct. Fictionalized New York City, and it was always meant to include an ethnically diverse uh, cast and positive social messages. Um, since its inception, over 74 million Amer- Americans have watched it, and 8 million people tune in uh, per week to watch the show, which is on HBO now for whatever reason. You notice that? Oh, yeah, I noticed that. I heard about that. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, who was your favorite Sesame Street character growing up? Well, Did you have I one? I put them together. It was Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie. Yeah, they're yeah. like one for me. Kev, you got anybody? Um, I liked the the elephant. Snuffleupagus. I was a big I was a big Snuffleupagus mark when I <laughs> when I was younger. As I get older, I mean, you know where my heart is. It's in that trash can with Oscar. <laughs> I totally, I 100% get where Oscar the Grouch is coming Oscar. from as I get older. I think the worst one is Elmo. Okay, so, all right. We lived through a time where, like, Elmo went over the top, and so yeah. now we've got instilled backlash. Yeah, the Elmo bubble. Oh, uh, it wasn't in the time where Elmo was so. Yeah, my niece and nephew live in the Elmo bubble. I know this because when they watch Sesame Street, there is a segment of Sesame Street called 
Elmo's world, which somehow loses all the interesting parts of Sesame mm-hmm. Street, and it's just like, I'm Elmo, here's a crayon! <laughs> it's like, I'm oh. Elmo, I have a head injury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, and I have to say... Okay, and one last thing about Sesame Street. Sesame Street, going back, always was not afraid to touch on, like, real issues. Going back to, like, Mr. Hooper. I like Hooper. the count. I forgot about the count. Oh, Go the ahead. count. Go ahead. Oh, man. Batty, batty, bat. What a great song. Batty, batty, bat. Batty, batty, bat. One bat. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, the count. Love the count. Look up the batty, bat song. It's all right. Show it to Kaz later. He'll like it. Um, yeah, wake him up. <laughs> wake him up. Yeah, Pull him out of bed. So, yeah, there you go. I'll move on from that. Sesame Street was dope. Okay. On this day, 1987, November 6th, Robert Downey uh, starred in Less Than Zero, uh, which was a movie based on the Brett Easton Ellis novel that told a story about young college freshmen who return home uh, from uh, Christmas break, discover all sorts of wild, drug-addled college nonsense going on. If you never read the book, it's a wild book. Um, the book was... The, the movie and book were based... Uh, well... I'm getting off track here. The point is this. They had Brett, uh, they had Robert Downey Jr. playing a troubled young drug addict, which is basically like going back in that day and asking O.J. Simpson to be in a movie about a footballer who killed his wife, right? Uh, at this time, he would go on to have fame for a while with Weird Science, Back to School, all the way through 1989. Uh, he, was in the, he won an Oscar in 1992, where he was nominated for an Oscar in 92 for Chaplin, but it was a... It wasn't too long after that that his career sort of hit, like, a tailspin. He was, like, a cautionary tale for a long time. He wasn't going to probably be alive. Very long time. Yeah. He's on a really bad... And it's kind of interesting that now he's considered, like, one of the bigger movie stars in the world again because the Marvel movies and Iron Man going back to, like, 2008, I think that was. Uh, I'll say this. I like Robert Downey Jr. Every time I hear him talk, I think he's funny. He's a little pretentious. Sometimes, but I think that's part of his... I think that's more about getting the rhythm. I remember I heard him on the Howard Stern Show on Sirius Radio one time, and I still, to this day, um, no discredit to, you know, the showrunner here at the Uticast, but Howard Stern might be the best interview I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, he's great. I've never heard anybody who gets better conversations Mm -hmm. out of people, and that's not really his reputation, but people should know that about him. Um, And he talked to Robert Downey Jr. for like an hour and a half, and it was, he was really engaging and compelling, and I think he's just sort of a flamboyant, flashy guy, so it comes off as a little pretentious, but I don't think that it's uh, put on. Right. I think that he's just uh, sort of an eccentric guy, as I suppose you'd have to be yeah. to have that kind of life. And it's career. very rare someone who hits rock bottom like that can come out so much on top, not mm-hmm. like he is. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's, it's like, like sometimes they just disappear for that, or they're a statistic, mm-hmm. but he's. The minute we say this is going to be some sort of horrible story that comes out of him tomorrow, right? Like, you can see, this is the problem with where we live in now. I know. Uh, let's move on. November 7, 1991, uh, I don't have any jokes or anything funny about this. This is kind of sad, but on this day in 1991, uh, basketball legend Magic Johnson stunned the world by announcing his sudden retirement from the Lakers after testing positive for HIV, uh, virus that causes AIDS. For a lot of people, including myself, this was like the first time I ever heard about yeah. AIDS in like a casual like discussion conversation. Like It was the first time it was brought up uh, in my like lexicon, mm-hmm. for maybe for a lot of people in that era, like I, was that the first time you'd ever heard of like, like like magic? Yeah. yeah. For a lot of people, I think it was. Um, it was not the end of his playing career, mind you. Like, he he did play a little bit afterwards, but at the time, it was... People weren't really sure what it how meant. They, how how you're going to get it or contact it. Yeah. Uh, today, he's a prominent spokesman for AIDS awareness, success, uh, successful businessman, earning millions from a range of endeavors. 
Uh, some 25 years after the first AIDS case was reported, 25 million people worldwide have died and 40 million have been infected. Very sad. And it's something we don't, I feel like people don't talk about as much anymore. The numbers have right? gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot better. A lot more people are living. It's no longer the death sentence that it was. And they have a lot more medicine days. that keeps people around longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that, I mean, you can't give Magic Johnson all the credit. He's not the scientist or the doctor doing the work, right, certainly. Right, of course. But having somebody that big, I mean, he was one of the biggest stars in the world at that mm-hmm. time, you know, and he's still a very famous household name. Having somebody be so open about it and not hide from it and, you know, sort of shutter it away and just somebody to really take it on, I think has helped normalize it for a lot of people and helped pour a lot of research dollars into it now to the point where, I mean, this guy's had HIV for like 25 years. It's obviously can't do anything to him, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's, you know, a nice thing that we can live in a world where, you know, an HIV diagnosis no longer means you're sentenced to definitely die probably pretty soon. All right, and uh, I knew that was kind of heavy, so I decided uh, we were going to end with something a little lighter, and we're going to do a little something for it. On this day, November 8th, 1951, New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra was voted the American League's most valuable player for the first time in his career. He would go on to win it twice more in 1954 and 1955. Uh, he was only the second catcher in baseball to win the award, uh, the other being uh, Mickey Cochran. Uh, however, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about something called baraisms. You know what those are? Yes. No. <laughs> baraisms are colloquial, yeah, colloquial expressions that lack logic. They are countless, and many of them have been attributed to Barra, even though not all of them come directly from him. But uh, I found a list of some of the good ones, and uh, I figured I'd share some of them with you. I don't have a great Yogi Berra voice. You probably heard this one. It ain't over till it's over. Right, classic. It's like deja vu all over again. I usually take a two-hour nap from one to four. <laughs> I never answer an anonymous letter. <laughs> you can observe a lot by watching. <laughs> it gets late early out here. <laughs> Baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. It's just one that says pair up in threes. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> you know what's weird? I was thinking about this on the way over here. There's a list of about 35. I'm not going to go through all this. The one that I kind of remember, do you remember a weird commercial he was in for Aflac Insurance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the quote was, if you get hurt and miss work, it won't hurt to miss work. Yeah. And they give you cash, which is just as good as money. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um... I guess that's a good way to end it. And here's a here's one that's a little more metaphorical. And you end it on this one, the last barraism for you. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> so there you go. Couple barraisms to live by. That was good, right? I like that one. My favorite. Uh, a couple stories for you guys here for this week. Um, you know, we don't normally talk about what? Nothing. <laughs> We don't normally talk about religion here on this show. This is a vaguely religious topic. Uh, Pope Francis, earlier this week, has requested that Roman Catholic priests be given the right to get married. Any thoughts about this? That would help them. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one caveat to this, though. It's not all the information. Uh, they still have not actually lifted the ban on having sex. So they will lift the ban on people getting married, but they still can't have sex. So marriage, right? Isn't maybe that <laughs> maybe the Vatican should ban them from having sex with children and then yeah. using their mm. non-taxed <laughs> money to cover it up. That's a fair point. Maybe that's maybe that'd be a good f- idea too. I don't know. Uh, 
I was gonna get into the tech corner. Oh, we have to do tech corner. You guys ready for some tech corner? We have to do tech corner. All right. Um, I have one tech corner that's a little unsettling, and a couple that are fun. So let's do the unsettling one first. I read about this this week, and it's a good cautionary tale because we're gonna see more and more of this going on. Do you guys know who Jenna Abrams is? Yeah. Jenna Abrams. Do you know who Jenna Abrams? I live is? in a bubble. Okay. Uh, Jenna Abrams was a sort of Russian internet troll on Twitter. She had about 70,000 followers. That's not, it's kind of disingenuous to say it like that. Um, Jenna Abrams was a very popular alt-right, right-wing internet personality. It was a girl that used pictures of, you know, a young, cute girl out there blogging about right-wing topics, pushing things on Twitter, on social media, putting a lot of these things out here, and then they found out that Jenna Abrams doesn't actually exist. And it was yes. a Russian troll farm who built up this whole personality. And, like, this girl had followers. People loved Jenna Abrams. She was considered, like, one of the babes of the alt-right. They just found a random picture and made up an entire persona. Yeah. 70,000 Twitter followers. She's been featured on Bustle, U.S. News & World Report, USA Today, Yahoo Sports, New York Daily News, Breitbart, well, that makes sense, The Independent, uh, like, lots and lots of stuff. I could keep going on. I don't know, again... Do you, there's got to be somewhere along the way. Do we, when do we start teaching people to like look and recognize disinformation in well, a proper way? I was in journalism. Yeah. And you were supposed to check your facts. And the people that you were, anything you did, if you were on USA Today or anything, are people not fact-checking or looking up people or getting I, any kind of... They look <laughs> them up, but you can only, I know, you but can like, only look so far. If they're real, like, I mean, there has to be, I, mean, I don't know. How do, you, how do you know if someone's Twitter account is real? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know mine's real because you know me, yep. right? But I, I wouldn't know where to start looking at someone's Twitter account to see if it was fake. I can go look at their followers or look at something and see how many people there are. And that's or, what happened. As soon as journalists started, like, real journalists started looking at this person, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Something something's not right. right here. I mean, it's it may come off hyperbolic to someone who doesn't read as much about the situation, you know, doesn't understand. I think one of the problems we have is a lot of the population right now can't really understand mm -hmm. A lot of this stuff that's going on in the internet and like with influencing on the yeah. internet and you know all that kind of thing, but we're like we're at war. Like this is the very first cyber war in the history of our species, and the sooner we acknowledge that and start fighting back, uh, the better position it's going to leave us in because we're losing very badly. Yes, net neutrality, folks, it's coming up. Thanksgiving, get ready for it. No, they moved it. They moved it. It's a whole, it's a whole thing, but yeah, it's not, Next it's not week. coming up. We'll talk about next week. Uh, and I guess we have one more tech story because we're we're running a little longer than I thought. Uh, and for this story, uh, Heather, I'm going to need your help. We're going to do a dramatic retelling of my first day with my iPhone X. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Hey, Heather, what's going on? Not much. No, it's I'm cool. Yeah. Hey, check it out. I got this new. Uh, iPhone X. You want to take a look at it? Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, shit, oh, it's broken. broken. And seen. All right, so there you go. <coughs> Apparently, That's since terrible the... phone. <laughs> <laughs> so the iPhone X came out earlier this week, and this is Apple's big new product, $1,000 to buy it, uh, and it's getting presented as their upscale phone. Uh, it has glass on both sides of the screen and all over the internet, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, all the social media platforms, people are posting pictures of their phones breaking on the very first drop. Maybe Apple didn't assume that covering a phone in glass on both sides would make it more breakable. That's glass breaks. Didn't, didn't they learn from the other phones with a glass on them, though? That, I mean, I, mine broke, two of them. Uh, for the record, 
Just, like his phone's fine. Just so you know, that's a three-year-old Samsung phone that I just threw in oh, another gee. room into the kitchen. Uh, because I know in the interview we talked about a little when I catch some heat, people call me an Apple hater. I'm not a hater. I just don't drink all the Kool-Aid. So I'm going to go, after the show, I'm going to pick up my phone that's not broken, that's not $1,000 and it's three years old. Go ahead. Do uh, your show. Damaging the <laughs> uh, Not only does the phone cost more to begin with, repairing an X may cost more than the previous models. Um, if you haven't, So if you haven't spent money on Apple Care, okay, replacing the screen can cost you upwards of $600, which is over half the price of the phone itself. Man, Apple's really got a good thing going on. <laughs> it's making it must be nice to make that much. By money. the way, in the the Paradise Papers leak, which is probably the biggest Ooh, story in the last couple of weeks, no. um, Apple along with Nike, another one of these countries, keeping almost all of their money offshore, and not paying into the tax system, and um, they're scumbags, and somebody should do something, but nobody will. You know, it's funny you brought that up because that dropped on my newsfeed about ten minutes before we were doing this show, and I wasn't sure if we were going to get into it. Maybe next week we'll talk about yeah. it, about the Apple stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just haven't been looking at the newsfeed all day since I started writing for the show. All right. We'll dig into some more of that next week then. Uh, but let's get into a segment we haven't done in a while. We've not done a segment of overrated, underrated in a while. It's been a while, so I figured it's about time uh, to run through. These were chosen at random from a couple different uh, overrated, underrated compilations I found online. So we will go from here. Uh, Heather, let's start with you. Uh, overrated, underrated, Avocados. Underrated. I love avocados. Mm. I love them. Uh, I do like an avocado. I do think that the tide for avocados has turned, and people are really like, I, I saw avocados everywhere all of a sudden. I think there's some backlash coming the from avocados, are, right? They're expensive. They used to be like they 50 are cents. They're like $1.99 for one now. Yeah. <laughs> I think the problem with uh, avocados got, has been like the millennial scapegoat, right? Now, like people associate avocados with millennials now because mm-hmm. this whole avocado toast thing, right? Yep. <laughs> Isn't it? I do love avocados, but I'm I'm a little tired of everyone uh, throwing them on everything now. They're so good. Kevin, you got an avocado take? A little overrated. A little good. overrated? A little overrated. I mean, it's it, let's look at avocados are good, but like there's a lot of things that are good, and they're not that much better than a lot of the other things from like the fruit and vegetable world and the foods that grow on trees. But they're I mean they're good. Don't get me wrong. Really but people good for you. people keep trying to make it a thing. Like you, yeah. you were talking about, like, the media is trying to make like the millennial avocado toast a thing. They're trying to make avocados things, a thing. Yeah. It's not really a thing. It's just a food. Kind of like <laughs> big avocados pushing the narrative. You, know you don't know I mean? about that. Um, uh, overrated, underrated. Kevin, let's start with you on this one. Uh, classic campfire snack. I had one last week. I have thoughts about it. A s'mores. Overrated. Mm. Overrated. Mm, I'm glad you said that. Overrated. Over- They're gross. My nephew made me. Let's not get. I don't like crazy here. They're not. Gr- Look, here's okay. the thing. The concept anything. of putting together a s'more and making the making it is way more fun than the process of actually eating yes. the s'more because there's a fundamental flaw with making a s'more that chocolate's not melted like i'm sorry if you make it if you, even if you set that marshmallow on fire and put it right on top of that <laughs> chocolate that chocolate's still hard chocolate with marshmallow over the top of it. messy <coughs> it's all over your hands it's not worth it it's a little bit too sweet kind of hurts my face now when i eat it there you go <laughs> s'mores overrated that's right i said it all right uh heather you ready to start this one yeah. overrated or underrated Talking to strangers in public. Um, 
underrated. I love talking to people. That's so right. I'll just go up to anybody <laughs> and talk to them. Um, so no, I think it's good. Like I think that I, I notice this with my kid. Like none of my kids talk to people outside of school mm-hmm. of my students, and I'm like, sometimes you find some interesting conversations with people just in random yeah. places you wouldn't expect. I think talking to strangers is a little underrated. Yeah, I think people are in their phones and everything now. They're not paying attention. We've been led to believe you're not supposed to talk to strangers now, right? Is that the that's the other when you're point a of it? Kid, I think well, that's true. Kind of. When we were a kid, we were told don't talk to strangers on the internet and don't get in strangers' cars. Now we summon strangers from the internet to bring their car for us <laughs> it's to get true. in. That's very true. The world changes. You seem like you'd be a good talking to strangers in public kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. It's highly underrated. I like to talk to strangers, but I would like to to highlight the important difference between talking to strangers in public and strangers talking to you in public. Mm. Um, An interesting yeah, point. Nice. Yeah. Be because I, if I'm if I'm if I go out somewhere if I'm running errands and like you know I'm in a good mood I'm paying attention I'm engaged I talk to everybody. Like sure. When I go out I go grocery shopping I probably talk to 15 people grocery shopping most of which are strangers. Talk to everybody I see. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just out trying to get through my stuff I'm kind of tired or I'm not feeling great and I'm not really paying attention people just want to come up and talk to me and at me not always down for that. That's fair. So I feel like the mood's got to be right, and I have to want to be there. But yeah, talking to strangers is still underrated. You should be talking to people. That helps keep you polished, keep your social skills sharp, keep your brain sharp, keep you engaged. Never know. Very good. Very good. And last but not least, uh, we may talk about this again in two weeks uh, because the anniversary will be happening in America. Uh, But 20 years ago uh, today in Japan, uh, a little movie was released that became very popular. We bought a ship that sank called Titanic. So, overrated, underrated, 20 years on. Heather, I loved Titanic. that movie when I was in high school, <laughs> so um, I would go with underrated. Kevin, overrated, underrated, Titanic. Outrageously underrated. Outrageously underrated. One of the best love stories told on screen in our time. Um, anytime I catch Titanic on TV, if I'm flipping through, I'm probably a mark to watch most of it, and I've seen it a ton of times. So, I remember... Um, my middle school girlfriend uh, went as Rose from Titanic for Halloween one year. That's how much she liked that movie. That's how popular it was. And she asked me to go as as Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was like, nah, nah, I'm not doing that because I'm not that kind of dude. I remember I went to see it in the theaters when it came out, and I remember thinking that I was in the wrong movie when it started with like Bill Paxton and that old lady in a submersible. No. I'm like, wait, what is this a documentary? No, like, that, did I get did I get hustled? Paxton. You know, the, the Paxton thing, I looked up the Titanic thing, I was like, oh my god, I forgot Paxton was in this movie, oh I forgot, I forgot Paxton's dead, damn it. Oh, well, he is dead. I was yeah. so sad about that. That was so sad. Um, okay, so I have an interesting theory about Titanic, well, not, I haven't come up with this theory. Have you ever heard the theory that makes Titanic much more depressing, that Jack doesn't exist, that Rose is just nuts, and that she's imagining Jack the whole time, and that's why in the water at the end, he doesn't get on the... No, on the on the door with her, yeah. He can't get on the door. Yes, he could. They've it done the sink. No, no, they've looked this. They've done the MythBusters on this. He could have gotten on the door. Then he would have sunk it. No, it would not have sunk. There was sunk. enough buoyancy. So the theory is that Jack is a figment of Rose's imagination because she's so depressed with her shitty life with Billy Zane. Um, oh, I yeah. believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm much more like the the theory that Jack Dawson becomes Jay Gatsby. Oh, interesting. He survives. He survives, and he's got the heart of the ocean in his jacket, so he uses the parlay, his Gatsbyism, and that's why he doesn't want to be looking into him. He lives in that mansion, and yeah, he becomes Jay Gatsby like a decade later. That's like two completely different movies. Mm. Like, Or is it? <laughs> uh, well, that was the other thing, too. The, the heart of the ocean 
uh, has some sort of connection to my conspiracy theory. She throws the heart of the ocean in the water because she knows it's not down there. She already knew it wasn't down there at the end. She didn't throw it in the water to get rid of her memory or to save her memories. Jack, no, because she finally like, told the story. Because she finally that. told the story, so now she can like go of it. Because the money doesn't mean anything to her. It's always about the love, and that's yeah. why it's such a pure story between Jack and Rose. All right, look, look up my Jack isn't real conspiracy theory at the internet. You'll like it. You'll like it. Go All right, guys, <laughs> you're a Titanic truther. <laughs> Titanic truther. Yeah, it's true. The new podcast. Uh, hey, look, I'm just saying. Some of you guys can't handle the facts. You want, like, the next <laughs> ten, you want to spend the next ten episodes of the show just dissecting Titanic? <laughs> become like, Dude, I would love to like, do a whole movie making podcast. a murderer serial podcast about Titanic conspiracy theories. I know. Look, I know that Justin really wanted us to do a an, a bonus episode of the show this week where we just do Stranger Things. He really wants to do a Stranger Things episode. I don't know why. He's I got it. I'd love to do it. I, I know why he probably wants to. He's got poor opinions. He wants to get them out. <laughs> He's got his high, his terrible cold takes. <laughs> his freezing ice, ice cold, cold takes. His ice cold freezing takes about how much uh, Barb should have been written back into the show for season two. It's all liberal propaganda. Okay. The Barb narrative is a scam, by the way. I'm going to read that way. It's true. I don't it's buy it. the media. All right. Folks, thank you for joining us this week, episode 124. Thank you again to Ryan Miller of Thinkubator. Uh, thank you again to Heather. Follow her on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SFDoom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We are also uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on SoundCloud, uh, on Apple Podcasts. Go to Uticast.com for this and all back episodes of the show. Remember, folks, always and forever, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Sayonara, humanoids. We will see you next week. You gonna okay, Heather? No, I'm good. She has a really tough time with that. I know. <laughs>